I've waited a long time to hear him say I'm ready to pour in the oil. I don't think you understood what he said. He came to pour in the oil. We've waited a long time for him to pour in the oil. See, something has to break before he can pour in the oil. Uh, you're still not understanding me. For the Spirit of God to say, I'm here to pour in the oil, something, if it's not broken, it'll just roll off. <laughs> something has to break before he can pour in the oil. I remember hearing Brother Clinton and telling a story that he had been preaching a camp meeting and he had preached until he had about splintered the pews. Until he couldn't stand himself. <laughs> and his wife couldn't hardly stand going with him. She said, when are you going to pour in the oil? He said, you can't. He said when there's something breaks, he said, because if, if it doesn't break, the oil will just run off. <laughs> I've waited a long time to hear him say he's going to pour in the oil at bag. Amen. First Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter four. Second Corinthians chapter four. We're going to begin reading in verse seven. We will have a, a lot of scripture today. I'm going to refer back to To what I shared with you last week for just a moment. As soon as I find it. Because I told you. In praying back in December, the Lord started dealing with me about that we would see turmoil and upheaval and unprecedented violence in the streets all over the world, great uncertainty in America for our survival as a nation and financial collapse, so that the riots of the 1960s will pale in comparison to the weeks and months in the immediate future. It's imminent. The foundations of the nations will be shaken and tested. Wars will change the world economy and the power centers of the globe. Political chaos will mark the hearts and the minds of the people. Darkness will cover the land, gross darkness the people. Man-made theologies of false dominions and mandates will be shattered and made a mockery so that many will, repeat, will repent and cry out to the Lord, but many more will harden their hearts and grow bitter and then anger and melt into apostasy because of the turmoil and the upheaval. This is where I wanted to get to for a moment this morning. I said, but to the hungry and the humble, there will be repentance that breaks the strongholds of false doctrine. God will demonstrate his power to provide for and protect the faithful. I want to elaborate on a few of these things. That God will demonstrate his power to provide for and protect the faithful. You understand for God to demonstrate his power to provide for and protect, it means we needed provision and protection. Yeah. 
Hello? Great terror will fall on the hard-hearted. Great power for service to the humble. The time is coming. The time is upon us. Great terror to the hard-hearted. Great power for service to the, to the humble. Someone had read that and, and re- messaged back to me. And in their message, they kind of insinuated I was some Pollyanna-ish idea that the, that the righteous would not have any problems. In other words, uh, that the church, people get it in their head. They're not, that's, that's the world we live in, where, where the church has been given over to the thought that, that uh, when you believe and when you, and when you walk in strength and power that you, don't have, you won't have any problems and that there won't be anything come against you or that people won't be persecuted or die or any of those things. That is not at all what the Lord is saying. <laughs> great power, great power to witness is exactly what the, the, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. When he said that you shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. That word witnesses there means that you will, that you will walk in testimony of me to the point of martyrdom. You have to have power for that. You have to have power for that kind of witnesses. You shall receive power. The Holy Spirit wasn't given to the the church so people could speak in tongues. (laughs) You say, are you against the Pentecostal distinctive? Are you kidding me? You're baptizing the Holy Spirit with... Well, and and if we, when you're in this baptism that Jesus is speaking of here, you will speak with other tongues. I'm just crazy enough to believe the Bible still tells you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is initially and physically the first evidence, not the only evidence, the initial, the first and the physical evidence. But he didn't pour out his spirit so you would have some kind of special communication he didn't pour out his spirit so you could show off and dance in a service, although some of you should. I told you last week, if you, if you were a dancer before you got saved but you can't move now, something's wrong because that's in you. Oh, you ain't even hearing me. If you had to be at the VFW hall or wherever every Friday night but you can't move anything for Jesus, something, you, you lost something. You didn't gain something. Remember Gary Grisham, the, one of the best worship leaders that ever lived. Uh, he, uh, he, he, if you know him, he's, he's never still, and he's going he's to dance. And he was teaching Sunday school one day, when I, they were, and somebody brought up him dancing. He said, I've danced all of my life. He said, when I, when, when I was lost, I danced. <laughs> he said, when I got saved, <laughs> I, I, the, the psalmist said, praise him in the dance. He said, I, when I got saved, I didn't lose my dance. I just changed partners. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> Power, it, all these things are wonderful. That comes the joy of the Lord. 
there are some people in this room that need to remember again that, you know, holiness is not a frown and a stern face. There's some people that their beehive was too tight because they couldn't smile. The joy, it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Paul, in the light of what I'm fixing to talk to you about, Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. He said, and again, I say, rejoice. He didn't say, wait till your circumstances are right or you wake up in the right mood. Rejoice in the Lord always. Oh, I'm fixing to preach some crazy stuff that Paul preached. (laughs) I'm ready for him to pour in the oil. You will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, the other parts of the earth. Acts 1 and 8, Acts 8 and 1 says a great persecution fell upon the church. And they were scattered. And they weren't scattered to random places, Jeff. So they were scattered to Judea, Samaria. (laughs) You recognize it? The promise was being fulfilled. Second Corinthians chapter four. Paul is the writer, and he says, "But we." I want you to see the "we" before we say anything else. He's preaching to the church. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. If you have the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of His Spirit, you have a treasure. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We're not strong enough for the excellence to be in us. We have this treasure in clay pots that crack and leak. We are hard pressed on every side. Yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. That's one of those people that you rattle that off in the middle of a PowerPoint and a sermon, and the, and the place erupts. Because they, don't, they, they hear the not perplexed, not in despair, not forsaken, but not destroyed. But I, let, me, let me read that as just a second and, and give you the what we are. He says, we, he says, but we have this treasure in clay pots. And he says, we are, listen to me, church, he's talking to the church. He said, but we are hard pressed, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down, caring about the body of Christ within us. You don't get depressed. You, you don't get 
the pressed on every side. You don't get the knot crushed without the pressed. <laughs> you don't get the knot in despair without being perplexed. You don't get the knot forsaken without the persecution. You don't get the knot destroyed without the struck down. It comes together. Always caring about the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, the life that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live, for we who live, who's that? Are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us. But life in you. If I had a title, it would probably be this morning, Come Hell or High Water. <laughs> or maybe, Come, comma, Hell or High Water. Mm. Like how you're shouting already. He just told us, Mark, he, I'm with you. I came to pour in the oil. The most important thing he said was, I am with you. I come to talk about this morning, preach about, if you will, the great paradox that is the gospel. The great paradox that is the Christian life. Because it is a great paradox. What is a paradox? It's not two doctors walking side by side at the hospital. That's not a paradox. Paradox is a seemingly absurd, absurd or contradictory statement or proposition which when investigated proves to be well-founded and true. Paradox. That is the gospel. Let me help you. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I think it is. Thereabouts. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I'm crucified with Christ. I've got to die. Nevertheless, I live. For the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Second Corinthians chapter 11 Verse 16, can we read a minute? I say again, let no one think me a fool, if otherwise at least receive me as a fool, 
that also I may boast a little. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting, seeing that many boast according to the flesh. I'll also, I'll also will boast. For you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. For you put up with, with it if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes your face to our shame. I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are the Hebrews? So am I. Are the Israelites? So am I. Are they seated of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labor, more abundant in stripe, above measure in prison, more frequently in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I've received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I have been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils of the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness and in toil and in sleeplessness often. In hunger and in thirst. In fastings often. In cold and nakedness. Besides the other things. Wow. Besides the other things. What comes to me daily is my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak. Who is, made, who is made to stumble, and I do not burn with indignation. Listen to this. If I boast, if I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. Paul goes on to talk about, I knew a man once. He said, whether it was in the body or in the, or in the spirit, I don't know. He said, he was speaking of himself. He said, I was caught up into the third heavens. <laughs> what a relationship. Listen to what he's saying. I, I don't know if I was in my spirit or in my body. I don't know which it was. It was too real either way. I was caught up into the third heavens. And heard inexpressible words which are not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast except my infirmities. For though I desire to boast, I will be a fool. For I will speak the truth, but if I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears me. Let's keep reading just a second. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given me, 
a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient. Listen, paradox. Are you ready? For my strength, God's, for God's strength is made perfect in weakness. Does that make sense? Not to the natural mind, it doesn't. The natural mind can't comprehend strength and weakness. Therefore, more gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Let me rephrase. I'd rather have the infirmities and have the power of Christ. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. Nothing about this makes sense to the natural mind. Nobody wants to be persecuted. Nobody wants to be hungry. Nobody wants to have their friends coming against them. Nobody wants to be not accepted. You'll hear people say, oh, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. That's a lie. You do. There are some people you may not care what thinks about you. That, that's okay. But to say, uh, yeah, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. That's not true. Because we're not, we're not, a, a, not a man, no man's an island. God didn't create us that way. All I need is me. That's a lie. Great power to, to, to the wicked, to the carnal, great turmoil. To the humble, great power. Hear me. This gospel is a gospel of a great paradox. Because it's life through death. It's power through weakness. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is strength through persecution. It is the power of God through the death of me. If the church keeps asking in America, why do we not see the power of God? I can answer the question to this morning. I can answer it. It's because we are addicted to comfort. We're addicted to comfort. We want the power of God. If I said, who wants to see the power of God in this place? what I thought my hands up too but we don't want anybody to not like us I want to see the miraculous in my life but I don't want anybody to think I'm crazy I want to see miracles signs and wonders But 
But I don't want to be opposed by the enemy of our soul. I want to be a herald of the truth. But I don't want to be lied about by the deceivers. I want to be known as a man of, of, of faith and power. But I don't want to be ridiculed by the religious establishment. We're addicted to comfort. The gospel, this paradox of life and joy and peace that is in Christ Jesus, comes with suffering and persecution and misunderstanding and peril and strife. Look at what Paul just reeled off. He, all the things he named and he said, besides the other things. It's such a misunderstanding of what the life of Christ is supposed to be. Most of us want just enough of Jesus to make heaven. But we don't want so much of him that we get rejected. Or there's a price to pay. Well, let me tell you, there's a price to pay to walk in power. The cry of Paul's heart was, Oh, that I may know him. Let me ask you in this place, is it the cry of anybody's heart that I may know him? He said that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. Yes. And the fellowship of his suffering. What? It's a paradox. It doesn't put as many people in the churches, the church buildings. But I'm going to tell you, it puts more people in the body of Christ. I'll say it again. The, 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 the gospel, this Christian walk, this paradox between our flesh and, and our spiritual beings, you know that's what it is. Do you know that's why it's a conflict? That's why there's a conflict. It's between, it's between the physical and the spiritual. It, when you preach this gospel, the gospel, the buildings aren't as big. But the body of Christ is increased. Oh, what do you say? <laughs> Being in a church with your Fulfilling, punching your Sunday ticket and your religious obligation no more makes you a Christian, a part of the body of Christ, than going to the garage every Sunday morning makes you a car. This is the gospel. You say, I don't want to suffer, neither do I. 
I don't want to be persecuted. Who does? Great. You know what else I don't want to do? I don't want to be in terror for how I'll survive. I don't want to be lying awake waiting for death to come that comes in this world with craziness going on. Oh, I don't know if you're even hearing yet. See, it was, it's always been a misconception that the Christian walk will bring you easy street and an easy life. You, you may have occasionally heard it said, but salvation is free. He, he's paid it all. It costs you nothing. But the life of the believer will cost you everything. We're addicted to comfort. No power of God because he's unneeded, unwanted, and we're unwilling. Because it comes at a great price. But what we've got to understand, let me help you, what we've got to understand is you shall receive power. I believe this book indicates that some people were literally called to ministry of persecution and suffering for the gospel's sake. Mm. I don't see anybody that ever suffered like Paul and lived. Do you? Oh, of the original 12... Only one of them died a natural death. The rest of them died a martyr's death. But you don't see their life marked like Paul was just. And it's calling on a road to Damascus. When he was on his way to persecute, he was the persecutor. And he had a divine, sovereign encounter with a living Lord. He wasn't seeking him. He was found. I don't think you're hearing. Chosen, the Bible says. Somebody said, aha, it is, it is chosen for life or chosen for death. No, he, he's chosen all of us for life, but we have a choice in the matter. Paul was a chosen vessel of God. Sovereignly. What's the issue there? I never want to pass it without saying it. Paul could have said no. He could have said no. How do I know that? I, I remember a rich young ruler you, th you think I'm preaching you something that's not in this book, that it is not, in fact, that is not this book? This is this book. There was a rich young ruler come to Jesus himself one day. He says, I want to be one of your followers. I want to be like you are. I want to go with you. And Jesus said to him, fine, 
sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come with me. Jesus said, accepted him. He said, sure, let's do it. And it says the young man went away sad, broken. It was too much to ask. Jesus wanted everything. At that calling, he's, and he's struck down by the light. And he says, Paul, Saul, how long are you going to persecute me? How long are you going to kick against the goads? How long are you going to resist the call, the draw? That's what he's saying. So that tells me, Matt, that evidently he had been being dealt with even in the time that he was persecuting. Okay. If it, he said, how long are you, going to, are you going to kick against the pricks? How long are you going to fight me? So that tells me that there was some time before that. Does it, am I wrong? Am I right? That it wouldn't just at that, that wasn't the first time that the Spirit of God had dealt with Saul. There's no way. Because the Lord said to him, how long are you going to resist? How long are you going to kick? How long? That just goes, because see, it started out with, with the persecution here. He was consenting into the death of Stephen. And then it was the ones in Jerusalem he wasn't going to go after. But, but now we find him in a place, he's leaving Jerusalem. He's going to Damascus. He has a letter in hand from the authorities that not only is there one here, an apostle here, a deacon there. It's going to find any Christian anywhere and bring them bound back to Jerusalem for persecution and for trial. So that tells me something, Matt, because I have known that I have known for a long time that the, the closer God is, is pulling on someone, he's pulling on their heart, the meaner he got. I submit that it's true. How long are you going to? I, I will submit to you that the question was because he had been being dealt with for a long time as a persecutor. And Paul said immediately, who are you, Lord? Right there, conversion. He believed in his heart and confessed with his mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are you, Lord? And then the, the, the angel the angels come to the man and says, go down to the street called Straight. There's a man waiting there praying for you. You'll recognize him. He said, go and find him. For he is a chosen vessel of mine. And Ananias says, I, I've heard about Saul. I'm not going down. He's trying to kill people. Are you kidding me? He said, go anyway. Hello? He says, when you get there, he said, go. And what you're going to do when you get there, you're going to tell him. Somebody hear me. You are going to tell him the things which he must suffer for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he did. And it says that he went and he told him. And then it says, and immediately Paul preached Jesus. Knowing up front. That's the beginning of his walk. And at the end you hear him tell everything that he had done. Comfort, hear me. Comfort and spiritual power cannot Coexist. Mm. 
If y'all wanted a preacher that would come and preach the whole counsel of God, you wasn't counting on it being that, was you? Comfort and power cannot coexist. Oh, it just occurred to me, Jeff. Uh, let me remind you of something. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the power of God, the excellency of God may, may be in Christ and not in us. We're torn between the flesh and the spiritual. Y'all are still not getting it. Your flesh wants comfort. Your spirit wants power. That's true of everybody. I don't, there's not a human being alive that don't have some desire for power. You say, I don't. Are you kidding me? It may, it may be the power of don't touch my kitchen. You're the master of your domain. And now your domain is the kitchen. And don't you move anything. Am I talking to you now? Yeah. I found. She's not the only one. And all of us, there's some desire for power. It could be, it could be to even, you can't mow my lawn. Because you don't mow it right. Now that ain't many of us, but there are some of us. See, I have, to, I have to fill in a few things because if I don't, I, I preach past you and you think I'm preaching somebody else. Our flesh desires power. And, and let me add a little to that. This, this will probably broaden the, broaden the scope and control. I thought there would be more amens there. Because we like it. We like it, power and control. You shall receive power. I'll be like, power. Comfort and spiritual power cannot coexist. I'm preaching to Mag Church, who I believe with all of my heart has a mandate from heaven to, for the power of God to be in this place and in its people and touching this area. That's the reason we have to know what it, what it involves and what it's about, what the true Christian walk is. We comfort in this world and power of God cannot coexist. Maybe it's the reason that he sent another comforter. Oh. You didn't hear me. Jesus said, I'm going to go away. It's expedient that I go away. I have to go away. I must go away. If I don't go away, the comforter cannot come. The comforter is the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit cannot come. If I go, he said, I'm going to send another comforter. In other words, I'm a comforter, but I'm going to go away and send another comforter. Hello? Hello? That is the comforter, capital C. The one, the one that, when, that whenever life is hard, that he's there. 
The one that when the crush does come, the reason you're not in despair. The one that when persecution does rise up, that gives you strength for the time that you're in. Have you ever, has anybody ever taken notice? And today, we see persecution played out from a, from a live stream sometimes. We're talking about real persecution. We're not talking about somebody unlike me or unfriended me. We're talking about somebody chained the door shut and set the church on fire. We're talking about where they, where, where they walk them down a beach 25 at a time and put them on their knees and cut their head off. Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed, have, have you seen it happen? Or have you refused to know what's going on? Boy, it makes me want to say sometimes, sometimes we, we got to quit being lightweight Christians and lightweight people. That we, oh, I don't want to see that. Please stop it. I'm asking you. So what it means is you, you don't want to live in any reality. See, we're addicted to comfort. It's very uncomfortable to, want, to know. It's very uncomfortable to hear somebody talk about that, that, that on October 7th that they built bonfires and, throw, and threw toddlers in them alive. That's very uncomfortable. Oh, I don't want to see that. I don't want to. You know, you want to live in your fantasy. And keep saying it's always been this way. Have you ever watched them 25 at a time when some jihadists will take some, some Christians and, and put them on their knees and, and take their head off? One behind each one. Did you ever notice that they wasn't kicking and bucking and screaming and trying to get away and running? Do you think they didn't know where the, what their fate was? I'm asking you. I got to get quicker here in just a second, but I need you to think about it. Or was they like Stephen? When the first one, that Saul was there, it says Saul was consenting unto the death of Stephen, and they threw his coats at his feet. And, and, this, and this deacon Stephen, he just, all he did was teach the gospel. It says that they brought him out and he told who he was and they put him on his knees and they backed up and they began to stone him. And it doesn't say, he said he didn't, he didn't start cussing God. He didn't start cursing them. He didn't do any of those things. The Bible says that his face shone like that of an angel. And it says he began to proclaim, he says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Waiting to receive. I'm going to tell you today that Jesus, if you want to know where he's at and has been, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's seated. That is his position. And we are seated with him. But when, when Stephen was facing the stoners of the day, it says that I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. He was, he was ready to receive him. I see those people when they march those Coptic Christians down that beach. I didn't see one of them screaming and cussing. I didn't see one of them resisting. I didn't see, I, it, it, I didn't see any of that. I want to tell you what that is. Lest you think you can't handle it. That is the power of God. 
that comes through the power of the Spirit. That is the power, that is the grace of God in operation. See, what is the grace of God? It is, the, it is God's power in you, doing in you and through you and for you what you can't do for yourself. It's a paradox. Paul was called to a suffering ministry that he could demonstrate. You know what? Nobody suffered like Paul. But you know what? Nobody, nobody in human flesh has ever demonstrated the power of God like Paul. Nobody. He broke into all of, East, of, of, of Europe and all of that part of Asia. He established the gospel against persecution everywhere he went. I can only imagine what the man looked like at the end of his life. It couldn't have been pretty. But you couldn't stop him. You couldn't stop him. You couldn't stop him. Called to the Gentiles. Thank God there was a Paul that was called to the Gentiles because that's me and you. Thank God. Thank God. Everybody preaches the Hall of Fame of Faith. And it's powerful. Can I read you something? Is that all right? Hebrews chapter 11. I'm not going to read it all. We know that it's by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Listen to the end. Let me show you the paradox. Are you ready? Verse 32. What more could I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Japheth and also of David and of Samuel and of the prophets who through faith, listen to this, this is what we like. You ready? This, we, let's shout. We love this. By, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, worked righteousness, quenched the violence of fire, escaped, we love that, escaped the edge of the sword. They escaped the edge of the sword by faith. Out of weakness, oh, there's that paradox again. Out of weakness was made strong. Became vigilant in battle. Woo, let's shout. Turned the fight of the armies to, of the aliens. They, they won the battles. They turned the fight when they came against them, against impossible odds. Are you with me? The women received their dead raised alive. Glory, hallelujah. Others. Others. Now this is still the hall of fame of faith. You know what I read? Some people, their walk, their faith, and their calling was to win battles. Stop the mouths of lions. Escape the edge of the sword. And turn back the armies of the enemies. But others, not accepting deliverance. Before I read on, I want you to hear that. Not accepting deliverance. They could have had their comfort. I wouldn't use this whole life as any kind of example, but I will use this as an example of modern day. When John McCain was a prisoner of war, they offered to let him go. But he chose to stay. I want you to hear, not accepting deliverance. 
Not accepting deliverance. Why? That they might obtain a better resurrection. Because I'm going to tell you there's something better than this. Still others had trials of mockings. Scourgings. Yes, and chains of imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Were tempted. Were slain by the sword. See, some of them were delivered from the edge of the sword. Some of them were slain by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute and afflicted. The preacher today would tell you they wasn't living right. The preacher today would tell you they didn't, if they had given to their ministry, that, that God would have prospered them. The preacher today would have told you that, that, the, that the hand of God was against them. The preacher today, but the Bible says that still others in the faith were not delivered because they chose not to be choosing something better. Choosing something better. <laughs> Destitute and tormented. Listen to what it says. Listen to their testimony. Listen to their testimony of whom the world was not worthy. <laughs> Did you hear me? Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the deserts and mountains and dens and in caves of the earth. And all of these all of these, starting back at by faith Abraham, by faith Isaac, by faith Noah or Moses, by faith the walls of Jericho fell. All of it says, and all of these, having obtained a testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Because it hadn't happened yet. God having provided something better for us. That they should not be made perfect apart from us. The world's going to see great turmoil. But God's people will have great power. Some, it'll be power to overcome and subdue and to beat back and to win. To others, it will be power to die for his namesake if necessary. Because sometimes it's necessary. And all of us, see, the paradox is, I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. The paradox is, listen to this. Listen to, listen to this. They're both in the same books. Come out from among them and be you separate. And touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Listen to the other side of that. Occupy until he comes. Go ye into all the world. Preach the, uh, preach the gospel to every creature. See, the conflict, you want to know where the, you say, oh, that, I knew it. The preacher today preached, preaching that the Bible contradicts itself. Oh, no. The contradiction is between the God of this world Amen. and the God of everything. Amen. The contradiction is between, is between the, 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 this life here 
and the eternal life there. The contradiction, that, that's why Paul said, if in this life only, remember, if in this life only I had my hope, I would be of all men most miserable. It's almost been lost. It's not about this world. No, I don't think you understand. If we spend everything trying to build everything here, that's why, this is why Jesus himself, he says, don't lay up your treasures on earth where the worms will eat it and the moths destroy it and the rust pulls it apart. But lay up your treasures in heaven where the moths can't get to it and the worms can't get to it and the rust will never touch it. Gold doesn't rust, by the way. Oh, that I may know him. Acts 20. Twenty-two, I see now, Paul, that I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. Not in change in the Spirit. Not knowing what things will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Listen to what he said. Listen to me. I realize that most people in this room don't like anything about what the true gospel is. That it's against, and let me tell you, I don't either. It's against everything naturally in us to hear this. Self-preservation is a natural, carnal instinct. But what we've got to realize is when, we, when we're preserving here, we're destroying there. You can't, it's, we're, not, we're not holding on to anything. You should know by now you're not taking anything with you. And this body's going to go back to the dust that it came from. Oh, tribulations and chains await me. He said, listen to verse 24. But none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. So that I may finish my race, listen to what he says, with joy and ministry, which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of our God. Proverbs 3 and 25 says, do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of the trouble from the wicked when it comes. Not if, when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. You've got to know where your strength comes from. Oh. Church, y'all are still stunned. Hear me. You've got to know where your strength comes from. Oh, I'm a mighty man. There ain't nothing afraid. That bullet will, through your brain will stop you, your, your six foot ten, 300 pound muscular frame just like it will mine. Your body is just as weak as everybody else's. When your heart stops, you're dead just like everybody else.
We don't have any strength in ourselves. We have nothing to lose and everything to gain. This, this world is not, I, I wish you would hear me, this world is not it. So why don't we start fighting for and living for and believing for and preaching for the world that's eternal. Why don't we do it? Because I'm going to tell you, we're not saving anything by hanging on to the junk. We don't even remember. We just went broke and put ourselves in debt for three years two weeks ago for stuff that you don't even remember what you got right now. Tell me I'm wrong. That's how fleeting it is. We got to know where our help comes from. The psalmist says, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. That my help comes from the Lord, the God who made the heavens and who made the earth. You are never going to grow and mature or gain strength by running away from the call and the plan of God. I wish I had another hour, and I know you're glad I don't. You are never going to gain strength, grow or mature by, by running away from the call and the commission of God. You will never, who wants a great victory? Everybody in this room. Yeah, see, now you're afraid to raise your hand. Who wants a great victory? You will never gain great victory without a great fight. Persecution and opposition are a prerequisite for promotion. I mean, draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Boy, that's a great hymn. You know how? Opposition, persecution is the prerequisite to promotion. I don't want to be promoted. What have you lost? Because you don't want to be promoted. You think you've preserved something. Jesus said something great. The paradox of the gospel. He says, whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it. He's not necessarily talking about dying for him. He's talking about whoever loses their plans, whoever loses their control, whoever loses their will for my sake will gain it. Can I give you an example of something in the closing moments? Because I want you to understand what I'm talking about. I don't, want, I don't want to suffer. Well, then you don't want any power. Well, I want just enough to get home. Well, you may not get home because that's a, the, see, the carnal mind's at enmity with God. I, I know a person. My, my wife will know who, what I'm talking about. Just, a, just, I know a person that has avoided working, avoided working, See, I know a lot of those. Hey, I, used, I had people on the payroll that avoided working. <laughs> I had people on the payroll that they worked as hard as they worked as they worked at looking like they work. No, I know, I know a person today 
that did not, has not worked for years because they owed less than $5,000 in student loans and that the government would garnish their check for that $5,000. Their family was in need. It probably still is. Am I, am I right? I'm talking about they didn't have... We in the South, y'all know what I'm going to say. When they didn't have a pot or a window. You with me? And she, did, well, she wouldn't work because she owed $5,000 in student loans. And that has been at least, now what, 20 years? 20 years? At a menial paying job. Let's say 20000 a year times was it times 10 is that's 200,000 times another that's $400,000 over 20 years I'm trying don't lose sight of what I'm talking about over $5,000 she gave up $400,000 would not work so they couldn't, so she wouldn't be working for a penance while that loan was repaid. Are you, are you hearing me at all? Are you hearing me at all? It sounded like the better idea for her family all this time. It sounded like the better idea to not let them take $100 a month out of my check. Why would I want to work for that amount of money? They're going to take, take $200 a month out of my check. And in the meantime, for $5,000... She's lost nearly a half a million. Now I'm going to ask you something while you're wondering about being a dumb deadbeat. There's lots of people that do stupid stuff like that. It's stupid. Can we all agree that's stupid? I mean, it's got, y'all, you say, I, we're not going to judge anybody. I'm going to judge that stupid. Y'all go ahead. It's okay. That's called common sense. So, so, so if you're feeling all spiritual, because you look at me, it's stupid. Tell anybody you want to. I said so. It's stupid. And that's if she only made 20 grand a year. What I'm wanting you to see is I don't, I, don't, I don't want to pay that kind of price to live for the Lord. I want to be comfortable. I, I, don't, want, I don't want people against me. I don't want to face peril. I don't want to face persecution. I don't want to face martyrdom. I want to, I want to hang on to my comfort. Okay. He'll let you. And what have you gained? You've gained a $5,000 note that you still have, plus the interest, that is untouched, unpaid, that you still owe, and you've lost half a million dollars but you were comfortable doing it and by Jiminy you stuck it to the man (laughs) there's been so many people in every aspect of life that they're the ones suffering all the while while they're trying to stick it to the man got news for you the man wins
And I got news for you. We have gained nothing. When I walk in God, Paul walked in God's plan for his life, and it was brutal on this earth. He never told us that we wouldn't have a high price to pay. I got ministry friends that lost health and, 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 and had to retire too early and then and death and, and so mad. Because why would God call it? He never promised us this life that it would be easy. Church, he promised us. Here's the promise. He promised us that it would be worth it. You're not hearing me. So you could have your 5,000 or you can have the half a million. But you can't have both. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. Paradox. This world and this world, the outward man is perishing. The inward man is being renewed day by day. For, listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. This is the same one that said, hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. The same one that said, beaten with, the Jews have laid straps on me five times, beaten me with rods, shipwrecked three times, a day and a night in the sea, perils in the land, perils in the sea, perils in the city, perils in the countryside, perils from the brethren, perils from, same man. Listen to what he says. Do not lose heart, even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our, listen to this, listen to this. For our light affliction. I didn't say that. He said that. Listen to what he says. Now y'all look at me and get real. Light affliction. Stoned and left for dead. Roman prisons. Snake bit. Our light afflictions. Which is but for a moment. Is not... is working for us more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory while we do not look at things which can be seen but we look to things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporary for the things are not seen they're eternal he says I would submit to you that the trouble of this present time is not worthy to be compared. 
to the glory which is to come. Oh, yes. It's a constant paradox. It's the constant war between the natural and the supernatural, between the temporal and the eternal. There's a temptation to give in and go along. But there's nothing to be gained. Did you hear what I said? There's nothing to be gained from that kind of life. Thank you, Father, that you've helped us today. I pray that in our stammering and stumbling that we've shared your heart so that we can walk in your promises. And you promised that it would be worth it. Remind us, O oh Lord, Remind us. Stand with me all of this place. In his closing moments, his literal last words, Paul says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? But share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which he has given to us in Christ Jesus before time began but has now revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death through life and immortality to light through the gospel to which, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed for I know in whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able. That means he has the power. I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed unto him until that day. I'm persuaded. Are you persuaded today? Mac Church. He's here. He said, I'm in the midst of you. He said, I've came to pour in the oil. That's today. Mac Church, it's a challenge. It's the challenge of the gospel. People are going to be men of faith and power. I just told you how it happens. I just told you how it happens. And I think I've painted in clear strokes 
that if you want to hang on to your comfort, he'll let you. He'll let you. But you've given up his plan and his power. We can have the 5,000 or we can have the half a million. Really, you can have the penance or you can have the treasure, but you can't have both. It's a call this morning. I want you to know what you're signing up for. I want, I'm reiterating what I've signed up for. I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand. And I'm going to press on. And I'm going to lay hold of that which has laid hold of me. Matt, I haven't attained it, but I intend to. Are you in this house? Are you in this house? Is there someone else in this house that I'm not there yet? I'm not there yet. I haven't attained it. But I'm going to.